This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles. If you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia if you're into wrestling memorabilia please visit firstroll.ca use promo code thepodcast20 they ship worldwide they got everything from comic books to wrestling figures wrestling cards anything you need or want signed sports memorabilia they got it every day they update so please visit them that's firstroll.ca and if you're into video games and books please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games you'll find titles like galaga super mario brothers 3 Metal Gear Solid and so many others. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. And if you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products on the market, look no further and visit LegacySubs.com and use promo code THEPODCAST to receive 10% off. They have everything from sleep aid to muscle building to anything that one that you need to make you feel better. So that's Legacy Sports Nutrition. So please visit them at LegacySubs.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to travel mugs. Anything you need or want, it is literally there. But the easiest thing, the freest thing, the most important thing everyone should be doing right now is rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is a Honor Rumble and Tag Wars winner. He is also a two-time Ring of Honor World Television Champion, professional wrestler, the last real man, Silas Young. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, my friend. How are you this fine evening? Uh, I'm doing good, except for it's cold as hell out here. So where are you exactly? Because I'm in Toronto, so it's fairly cold here, and we're actually having another snowstorm as we speak. So yeah, it, it's been a miserable winter. So how, how's it going over there? Yeah, I'm in I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Uh, so same shit. I, li- I live about a few blocks from Lake Michigan, so it's uh it's always cold here this time of year. So are you into the like the winter activities and shit, or do you just despise winter? Uh, I 
mean, I like I like like downhill skiing and oh, okay. uh, snow snowboarding, sure. Um, snowmobiling. When I get the opportunity, I don't own a snowmobile, but you know, I have friends that do, and I, you know, I, I enjoy the winter a little bit. But I would sure as hell take warm weather over cold any day. Now the Winter Olympics are pretty much starting as we're recording this. Are you into the Olympics? Are you into that sort of type of thing, or you don't give two shits? Well, shit, I did. I, I mean, I actually I do think they're pretty cool, but I didn't even realize the Olympics were on right now. So. Right? I I just but noticed so, it yesterday. So it's like a little surprise. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All I keep hearing was the boycotts stuff. So I'm like, when does it actually start? And then I was watching some sports yesterday, and then all of a sudden it popped up as like the the opening ceremony. I was like, what already? And I was, but wow. you know what? It makes sense because we're in February. It's 2022, so yeah, it should be starting, right? <laughs> yeah. Why? Why the boycotts? I think because of China. I again, I don't know exactly what it is. It's a whole political thing. I don't know if it's because of their government or something else happened or it's something with the athletes. I have no idea, honestly. Uh, is, is it taking place in China? Yeah, it's in Beijing, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I get it. I know there's like a lot of. Uh human rights stuff with china and then, whatever that must yeah, be it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that must be it <laughs> so what's one of your favorite olympic sports then uh i mean i think i dig like i mean the bobsledding is always cool sure. the, luge, the luge is pretty cool uh uh I, mean, I kind of enjoy all of it it's it's fun to watch like you said you know you only get it every few years so it's, it's kind of cool to check out and are you one of those guys that, like, even for the summer sports, when it's team-oriented, do you care if the professionals go attend, or do you always want to, like, amateur-type style? Ah, uh, you know what? I, I kind of don't like that the professionals attend. Really? Like, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like it's, you know, I mean, I guess it's, it's, hard, it's a hard question to answer, right? Like, okay. granted, these guys, these guys and girls that are doing this, right, like, they've dedicated their whole lives to it, so... It's hard to say that they wouldn't be professionals themselves, but I guess maybe like when you think about some sports like basketball, sure. you know, you get you get guys like uh, you know NBA is like you know the top of the top when it comes to basketball, so it kind of feels a little bit unfair. But then again, I mean, I don't know that uh, the United States has necessarily won the gold medal every time at the Olympics for basketball or not, so I'm not real sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know they're usually favored when it's the so-called dream teams that they send, right? But when it's just right. the amateurs, I have no idea who, who would win. Because, again, there's no coverage because no one cares because it's not the superstars, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, speaking of sports, obviously, you're a professional wrestler. So when did this whole journey start? Were you a fan before? How, how did it all begin? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up with five older brothers. Uh, oh, wow. You know, they were wrestling they're wrestling fans. Okay. Uh, so I grew up a wrestling fan. Um, I had a buddy out of high school who trained to be a wrestler and, uh, it was something that was kind of bouncing around in my head. So I, I started training, uh, when I was about 19 or 20 years old, okay. made my debut in 2002. So nice. actually Mar March 2nd of this year will be my 20th year wrestling. So wow. it's, uh, it's been a while. So now, again, being a fan, how did you, you had your older brothers, you got introduced through them. So what did you watch when you were younger? Uh, I watched a lot of like uh, NWA or WCW, okay. uh, WWF, stuff like that. Is there anything you do, like part of your moveset or part of your ring gear, like as an homage to anything you've watched that came before you? No, not necessarily. I mean, okay. I guess, uh, you know, I do this headstand moonsault thing, uh, which was kind of a... Uh, I got the idea uh, from Ultimo Dragon, who used to go up and do the headstand thing. So that was where like the original idea came from. Sure. And then I kind of just evolved it into my own thing. So I guess that would be the one thing. But uh, 
I tried to, um, I tried to just kind of do my own thing. You know, obviously there's guys that influenced me and guys that I was fans of. So there's probably parts of them, but nothing specific, uh, except for maybe that, that headstand thing from Ultimo Dragon. Well, speaking of that move, one thing I want to know is when you go into it after that Finley roll and you slap the turnbuckle, is, does that have any meaning or is that, that just something you did once and you just kept doing it? I think it's just something that's just a habit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think like when I was young, I was always like the, the baby face or the good guy. Sure. It's kind of the idea of slapping the turnbuckles to get the, the fans to come into it with you a little bit, that type of thing, you know. And again, speaking of that move too, when looking at you and your persona and the type of wrestler you come out as, you don't think of a move like that being part of, of your arsenal. Now, obviously, when people see you more often, they know that's obviously, and they're, they're going to wait and pop for it. But is, is it weird, like having sort of something different that people don't expect part of your gimmick? Or do you think people should always just be that straight gimmick to the T and no Sandra butts? Oh, I mean, I guess, uh, I think it's good to have little things that throw fans for a loop, you know, uh, not, not every character needs to just be strictly, uh, one way and one way only, you know, especially with wrestling being the way is way it is nowadays. It's definitely a more athletic based, uh, type thing True. opposed to a real character driven thing. So I, I like to think that I have a good combination of character and athleticism. And I think it's, uh, you know, I was a gymnast when I was younger, oh, uh, like from okay. ages eight to 14, so I think it's uh it's like a nice little surprise for the fans when they see like uh, holy shit this guy can uh this guy can flip and uh, wrestle as well so so when you broke in were you like sort of a high flyer then oh yeah ah. me and, me and one of the guys I had one of my first matches with you know we laugh okay. back now we're like oh my god if you look back at these early matches we had all all they were were just like high spots and finishers you know oh, shit. big move hur- hurricanas uh you know tilt the world DDT stuff like that it was. No, but I think that's part of being a young wrestler, too. Now, before we get to Ring of Honor, because obviously you're known for your tenor, tenure in Ring of Honor, you were in the Indies before, but then you were Ring of Honor. Now you're back in the Indies when it's just exploded and totally different. What's some of the differences that you enjoy or that you don't enjoy from when you first tasted the Indies to now? Uh, you know, I, I, I guess what I like now is, uh, you know, when you're wrestling on the Indies for a lot of years, which I was for like about 11, 12 years before... I really uh, started up with Ring of Honor, and especially when I went full-time with them, that was exclusive with them. Right. Uh, you end up wrestling a lot of the same guys uh, over the course of 10, 11, 12 years. Sure. So then after five, six years of not being on the indies and coming back, uh, there's like a whole crew of fresh talent that you got to work with. So it's uh, it's like a new, exciting time for me to get, get the opportunity to get in the ring with uh, a lot of these younger guys or guys that I haven't been in the ring with before. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm really enjoying it, though. Were you nervous at first when you were like, oh, I'm going to test the waters? Were you, like, a little bit iffy, or were you, were you like you said, just chomping at the bit? Uh, you know, a little bit of both. Uh, so, you know, the whole COVID thing happened, and then we closed down, and uh, then yeah. we went, like, we went from February until August of 2020 without doing any shows, and then coming back and only doing, like, uh, you know, TV tapings basically once every other month you're not wrestling that much and no matter whatever you're doing for workouts in the gym, there's nothing you can really do to replicate the cardio you need for wrestling, except for getting in the ring and wrestling. Uh, so part of me was excited that I'd be out being able to work more regularly, but at the same time I thought, man, I really got to do something here to kind of get, get my wind back and, uh, get my, get my ring rust off and get my cardio back. And, 
in a weird way, it's really driven me to, to work out a lot harder uh, in the gym. And then now just it's been a couple months and working every single weekend. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It feels like that, that ring rust is gone. And in, in a way, it's uh, nice. it's really built built my confidence as well, which just makes you as a performer a better performer. Is there any places out there that you're wanting to test the waters with? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of good companies. You know, I think obvious answers are, are uh, you know, AEW would be an obvious answer. Sure. Uh, you know, WWE would be an obvious answer. But then there's also places like, uh, you know, I'd love to go to Mexico. Uh, oh, okay. You know, I'd, love, I'd love to be able to go back over to uh, to the UK and Europe. Um, I'd like to ask, you know, I'd like to work for places like GCW, you know, just of any of these places that are using just really good talent is it's the place I want to be. And now, obviously, with the whole indie uh, scene, you travel a lot. You've traveled a lot with Ring of Honor as well. What are some of your favorite venues and places you've wrestled at? Uh, I, the, I mean, the the first two, uh, you know, getting to wrestle in Japan at Corican Hall was pretty awesome. Uh, uh, getting getting to wrestle in the mecca of pro wrestling, sure. uh, Madison Square Garden was pretty cool. Uh, so same with uh, the uh, Manhattan Center in New York City. Um, you know, there's a AAW, which is out of Chicago. They're a great okay. independent company. They use tons of great talent. Uh, they, they have a place that I've worked in for years called the uh, Berwyn Eagles Club. That's always a great building to work in. Um, any Basically, any place, and it's, sometimes it's hard to describe to people, like, what makes a good venue. Uh, and it's kind of just, it's it's got a feel to it. Maybe it's something that the building gives it a feel. Maybe it's the certain fan set that gives it a feel. It's, it's hard to say until you've actually performed in that building or in front of that crowd to really know what buildings are the good ones. But I, I felt like any of the buildings that AAW's ran have always been good. Uh, I, I worked recently for uh, Warrior Wrestling, which uh, yep. I, I have another show coming up for them in the next month or two. Uh, and they put on a great product. So you know, I'm looking forward to doing more of those as well. Oh, that's awesome. Now, going back to Ring of Honor, when did you actually get your first start with Ring of Honor and get signed to the company and all that? Uh, so, my very first time with Ring of Honor was way back in like 2007 or 2008. Oh, uh, really? That, that, that was still when uh, Gabe Sapowski was booking, and I had gotcha. the opportunity to do, uh, you know, a couple shows there and had some promise, and then Gabe had lost his job, and then, uh, you know, things went a little different way, and then I'd been back again in like, 2010 maybe 2011 but it didn't seem like really much was going so then i started doing uh he kind of went away from there did a little bit of the dragon gate and the evolve stuff and then uh actually um had a little bit of a falling out with gabe uh uh at dragon gate which then led to uh my first time being booked for ring of honor again a few weeks later after that which happened to be when they're going to be running in milwaukee and this was like 2012 okay uh, I did I did a show with them. I, I believe I worked Michael Elgin. We had a really great match, uh, which led to me getting used in the Top Prospect Tournament in 2013, which they oh. usually would do the Top Prospect Top Prospect Tournament like around the beginning of the year, like January, February. Right. Um, and that's when I really kicked into the went into the went full on with the Last Real Man gimmick. Okay. Uh, at that time, but before that, I was kind of dabbling with it a little bit, still figuring it out. Sure. Uh, and I think the you know, going into that, I thought, you know, Ring of Honor has a lot of great wrestlers, mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of guys there that are just, you know, really good wrestlers with a first name and a last name. And I thought, you know, I need something to kind of separate myself. Uh, of so I thought, you know, going in, 
Um, you know, I was confident in my in-ring abilities, but I wanted to bring something a little different to the table, which is why I kind of pulled the trigger on the last real man thing and went full bore on it. And then by, uh, I want to say like spring or early summer of that year, I got offered a, a contract. So then basically since maybe about spring or summer of 2013, I'd basically been with the company pretty much full time since then. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And speaking of your gimmick, you totally fit the bill. It's fantastic. I love it. You're one of those people that you love to hate like you know what i mean so you play it to the team and the thing about it now like when the first when you first debuted it it was fine and dandy but now with all this cancel culture and keyboard warriors are you afraid you're gonna get so-called canceled from playing this gimmick uh no you just have to you just have to walk a fine line with the things you do and the things you say you know you gotta um you gotta make sure to not say anything too offensive and you know i know people may be worried about getting canceled, but I don't think that the last real man was ever a character that was like a racist or a homophobe or anything like that. So I don't think I had anything to worry about in that department. But, uh, but, um, you know, it was just more one of those things that was like, you know, the things that men do nowadays, like our fathers or our grandfathers wouldn't have done. So it's kind of more of a nod to that, you know, uh, of course, but you know, it's definitely something that you got to think about, you know, nowadays, uh, you know, make sure to not be offensive. But then again, I've always been pretty good about not trying to offend people. I mean, I'm trying to offend people in the sense of like a ha ha offending, of course, you know, but not, not trying to make someone feel like complete shit about themselves, you know? Now, how about like fan interactions inside or outside of arenas? Have you encountered any crazy fans just want to give it to you because of your gimmick? <laughs> no, I, I think, okay. uh, I mean, I think nowadays, uh, I think nowadays fans, you know, they, they get it a little bit and they, they understand, you know, it's all, uh, you know, part of the show and everything like that. I mean, I guess sure. I've had a, a, a couple crazy fan encounters, but that's been more stuff like never anything in person or anything like that. It's been more just like, keyboard warrior bullshit type of thing so yeah that's true yeah because i've had older wrestlers on who told me horror stories of going to puerto rico and stuff and it's like it's a whole different world and it's like even in north america i don't remember the last time a wrestler would get that sort of feat what was it maybe the late 70s if that like you know what i mean right but puerto rico it still happens to this day and it's like it's mind-blowing yeah yeah you know what i've never i've never gotten the opportunity to wrestle in puerto rico but i would definitely love to go there uh, but yeah, I've, I've heard those stories too, and they actually sound uh, they sound like they're right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Well, Ring of Honor also announced recently that they're having a Hall of Fame. The Briscoes are the first inductees. You being a long tenured Ring of Honor wrestler, who else do you think deserves it that should be in it soon? And do you even care about like so called Hall of Fames? Are you one of those guys that ah, it is what it is? It's more f- f- for the fans. I mean, I think it's something that's more for the fans, but at the same time, uh, you know, when you wrestle for, uh, you know, a company that's been around for 20 years, a company that has, you know, some worldwide coverage, uh, a company that working there can lead to you uh, getting bigger and better opportunities in wrestling, I think it's sure. important, you know, it's it's one thing to be like uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame of some indie company that's ran like you know, one show a month for like four <laughs> years or something like okay. that. And like gotcha. has a coverage of like 40 miles. And then, you know, so I think, I think it's, I think it would be cool. You know, I mean, I, I would be proud of that. I would, you know, I'd definitely, you know, give a, a nod to that. So, you know, I think it's cool. I think guys like, uh, you know, clearly the Briscoes are an obvious first choice. Uh, you know, 
guys like Jay Lethal. Yep. I mean, even guys like CM Punk, uh, Daniel or Brian Danielson, uh, Samoa Joe. You know, those are guys that really helped uh, kind of put Ring of Honor on the map. You know. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I'm on the same page. As long as you have a rich career behind you, you could have your so-called Hall of Fame. But do you think there should be like a whole general one, like how sports does it? Like one for basketball, one for baseball, and there should be just the one that everyone recognizes for wrestling? Yeah, but you know what? The thing that we sometimes forget as wrestling fans and even wrestlers is wrestling, uh, and, and this might piss off a lot of people, but wrestling is not a real sport. It's right. a form of entertainment. Sure. Yes, Yes, you have to be an athlete. Yes, you have to be really good at it to, to get to a higher level. And it definitely requires a lot of skills. But it's not like it's not like football where if you run a 40-yard dash uh, in a certain amount of time and you can uh, keep up with guys, uh, sure. you're guaranteed to have a job where stuff is based just off of your athletic abilities. Uh, you know, wrestling has so much so much more to do with it. It has your athletic abilities. It has your, uh, your ability to connect with a crowd. It has, uh, your ability of whether you can sell merchandise or not, you know, and it also a big part of it is right place, right time. Yeah. You know, no Cause you can kidding. have, you can have all those things. And if you're not in the right place at the right time, you might just never get that opportunity to move on to a bigger place. Yeah. And it's true. And obviously wrestling is subjective, but the thing I, want to compare it to is something like the rock and roll hall of fame like music is subjective as well even though you have your charts and stuff of course so i guess you could measure that in terms of wrestlers towards championships but it's still subjective and you still have that so-called hall of fame and people respect it right so i think but it's the whole thing is is who's gonna run it and who's gonna make it so-called legit like you know that's the thing right 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 well i think about even like the baseball hall of fame like and I, I feel like I knew this, but it kind of got reminded to me, like okay. the fact that reporters are the ones that vote on goals right? in the baseball. I think that's, I weird. Think that's ridiculous. That's I know. ridiculous. Like it should be, it should be almost like former players or coaches or even part of the major league baseball organization. Because I mean, those are the guys that know the sport and know what it takes. And you so. know, the idea that guys like Pete Rose or Barry Bonds aren't in because of you know gambling or because of steroid use or whatever it just seems ridiculous because you know for one Pete Rose never gambled against his team he always bet on his team he never threw games he never point shaved if anything he just had such confidence in his team he was betting that they were going to win and I don't know that doesn't seem like the worst thing to me and you know uh you know as far as steroid use it's not like I would suggest it or anything but at the same time uh, steroids don't make you be able to hit a 100 mile an hour fastball you know so it's, uh, you know, I think that's, I think the idea that they leave it up to reporters is a little ridiculous. Well, and everyone knows it's no secret in every sport, everyone uses enhancing drugs. It's the, I hate to say it, it's the the ones who are sloppy are the ones who get caught. Like, you know what I mean? So it's right, like, right. if people think that it's only like the Barry Bonds and the Maguires of the world and the Consecos that were juicing, it's like, no, you want, most likely your favorite player was on that as well. Right. Well, and you know, you can also think about stuff like, you know, if you're going to say that you should suspend someone because of that, then maybe people shouldn't be allowed to get LASIK eye surgery because it makes your eyesight better. It makes you be able to hit a baseball better or hit a golf ball better. You know, true. so does that make this? Because, you know, back in the day when guys like Ty Cobb or Mickey Mantle are around, uh, you know, uh, Babe Ruth, LASIK eye surgery wasn't available, you know, so does that. Should that be a thing? You know, something to think about. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I've always said it. As long as it's a non-contact sport, so like baseball, for a perfect example. It's a non-contact sport. No one's getting physically hurt 
Like, who cares if they want to take steroids? It's their body. It'll make the sport more interesting and more popular. Like, I understand, like, MMA and maybe, like, even hockey or football. People could get hurt, like, severely if, if they're on shit and the other person's not. But who cares about baseball? The guy's just hitting a ball, so, and running faster. Who gives a shit? Yeah, right? And I mean, and to be honest, you think about it like, uh, you think about, like, 30 years ago, like, steroids aren't even close to as big as they are nowadays. Like, now there's a lot of, like, average average Joe's using it like hell. There's advertisements for testosterone replacement right. for men, which is testosterone is a steroid. Uh, you know, so, th- you know, there's a lot of these people that are using it for everyday life, right? So it's kind of hard to argue that a guy can go from making uh, a half a million dollars a year to $5 million a year if he uses some steroids. It seems like the most logical reason to use it, right? Like, you're talking about having your, your income go go up by 10 times and you'd almost seem ridiculous not to i guess yeah no kidding and even going back to the whole betting thing i think that's also ridiculous because okay yeah he got caught red-handed but like you said he didn't throw any games he didn't do anything on purpose what stops any athlete from even telling a family member to go bet on their behalf and them throwing a game isn't that the same shit like you know like all these little fine line things that people try and get people in trouble for it's it's ridiculous it kind of is yeah, no kidding. Well, g- going back to wrestling again, I don't remember you being part of really any stable. And as the listeners know, I love stables and I love factions. And anytime I could talk about it, I try and bring it up. Was that by design or did you just never, it was never in, in the cards? Uh, you know, at one point there was going to be something with the stable, but uh, it never really happened. But I always kind of liked, uh, I was kind of like doing my own thing. Okay. I always felt like, uh, I always kind of felt like with stables, unless you're going to be the leader of a stable, then you're kind of a lackey. Sure. So I always kind of tried to, uh, kind of wanted to be my own man, do my own thing. Uh, and it wasn't like I was ever opposed to it or said that, no, I don't want to be a part of anything. I just think it, it just never panned out or it never really came up except for the one time. And then it just never really worked out anyways. So if you were offered to be the leader of a stable, then you would have been gone oh, home. Yeah, right? all about it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what are some of your favorite stables, like, of all time, not necessarily nowadays, even growing up? Oh, man, I mean, uh, easily Four Horsemen were awesome. Uh, I mean, N- NWO, man. I remember when NWO that happened changed at everything. Time. As a matter of yeah. fact, like, I remember watching wrestling from, like, I don't know, as young as I can remember up until probably, like, about age, like, 13 or 14. Okay. Then I kind of fell off for a couple years, but then I remember, like, like my buddy that I said earlier, uh, like started wrestling out of high school. I kind of met him my freshman year and he was a big wrestling fan. And then we kind of started watching it again. And then all of a sudden the NWO thing happened. And it was like, I think that sucked every old wrestling fan back into it. Like that, at that time, that shit was like unheard of, man. Like, what do you mean? Like these guys, like you remember back then, like wrestling organizations didn't even acknowledge that other wrestling organizations existed. You know what I mean? You'd have guys like, uh, like, I don't know, like Sid Vicious, who would maybe been in WCW forever, and then he'd like pop up in uh, WWF, and they'd be like, oh my god, we don't know who this guy exactly. is. Exactly, like, they all play dumb. You know what I mean? It's true. So then, like, so then to have them, like, <laughs> uh, acknowledge that these guys were from another promotion was mind-blowing for wrestling fans. So, you know, NWO, uh, DX, uh, big, big fan of all those groups. So I was even a big fan of the group of... Uh, what was it? it? Was like Eddie Guerrero and Pete, uh, Perry Saturn, and uh, oh, when they made the jump, right? Benoit, From yeah, yeah, the radicals. I that's think it. it. Was. That was yes. a cool group too. 
yeah, you know, stuff like that was always pretty cool. My only gripe with Staples is is that they never stick together long enough. And again, that also goes for tag teams nowadays. Like, I have brought this up even before on former episodes as well. Like, I don't understand why people can't, like, go their own ways, then come back and be, like, everyone has to hate each other in order to go their separate ways. Like, I don't understand that part in wrestling. Right. Well, I, I mean, I think part of that's just, like, the entertainment thing because it would be sure. seen very lackluster if they're just like well yeah you know we had a good run and run out the tag team titles a couple of times like but i want to go for these single titles like sure buddy shake hands like that's not very entertaining (laughs) so maybe that's the reason why but uh no i get what you mean like no tag teams seem to last anymore do you think back to the days like me and you are roughly about the same age uh you know, like guys like the Rockers, guys like uh, uh, Legion of Doom. Um, oh, of course. Guys like, uh, uh, man, what are, who were they? The dudes that wore the, I don't know, I'm uh, Dem- Demolition. My favorite. You know, all yep. those guys. Those guys were tag team wrestlers, you of know? Of course. You never, even, you never would have even thought about those guys wrestling in singles, guys. So I kind of miss that, too. Like the, the teams that were like, you knew they were a tag team. Nowadays, it feels like a lot of tag teams are just guys that are like two yes. pretty good singles wrestlers that just get paired together. Well, and I wonder if it's all because of how the, obviously everyone compares everything to, to, to the big show, WWE. I wonder if it's because they downplayed rest, uh, tag team wrestling for so long that people thought it was like, oh, if they see me as a tag team wrestler, I'm not going to make it type of thing. So no one really committed. So teams like the Young Bucks that came after were like thriving because there was no real tag teams at the time, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. That could be the possibility. And the thing, well, it's just because wrestling seemed to get so uh, goal-oriented on, uh, you know, reaching for the brass ring and everybody oh. trying to be the world champion, you know, and it kind of, in a way, made the other titles not mean as much. Like, I remember as a kid thinking, like, if a guy was an internet or inter- intercontinental champion, like, he was pretty much next in line to possibly be the world champion, you exactly. know? And now, nowadays, and like for the last shit, like 15, 20 years, yeah. like the Intercontinental title, U.S. title, any of that stuff, like it's almost like a mid-card title opposed to like a, a title that was like just a step below the uh, world title, you know? And, and the, then the tag team wrestling went away, which sucked because tag team wrestling is a completely different uh, a story, you know? It's yep. very easy to follow for the fans. Like I even think for young wrestlers starting out, uh, I think the easiest way to learn the wrestling business is probably through tag team wrestling. No, and that makes sense. And you see it all the time, even again, even on TV where you have the the vet and the young guy come in and they put them together. Obviously, the young guy's learning from the old guy. Like, you know what I mean? So, right, right. so it, it works. And like, I, it's true. Like, I love tag teams. I could talk about tag teams all day. And it, it just... It, it just sucks that it's considered secondary. Like, I think, why shouldn't the tag team titles be as elevated as, like, a world title? They're both world. It's two different divisions. It's almost as if you're saying that the women's world title is not as important as a men's world title. Like, you know what I mean? Makes no sense. Right, right, right. Makes no sense at all. So you've been up against a who's who's pretty much, and there's no point of running it down. Everyone could Google it. But what's been, like, not, like, your favorite, like, your top match, like, in terms of, like, pops or ratings, but... The one you had the most fun in, what was like one of those type of matches? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of really fun matches. Like, I remember uh, way back early in my career, I, I remember doing a couple 60 uh, minute Iron Man matches oh, sure. that I really enjoyed. Okay. Uh, you know, I remember uh, anytime working with Jay Lethal uh, were always good matches. I really enjoyed the tag team that I did with Josh Woods. I thought we oh. had something very special, very unique. Sure. Uh, 
you know, uh, at the time we were the only, only people doing like an oddball tag team, you know, and, <laughs> you know, I, I remember thinking like, you know, here you have this guy, Josh Woods, who he'd been wrestling a little bit, but wasn't really known by the fans, but, you know, yeah. he's a legit badass. He's a former NCAA, uh, national champion i think a couple of times he won the national title wow. uh you know he, he had done some mma fights you look at the guy he's a beast yep. uh but you know also just hanging out with him backstage and stuff he's a goofy funny guy you know <laughs> and i thought i thought we did a really good job of uh of showing our, our our contrasting personalities uh and a lot of the promos and stuff we did uh a lot of the fans seemed to really enjoy it was i just wish that we were able to do that a bit longer yeah, see, and again, there goes harkens back to the whole tag team thing, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, you also mentioned on Twitter that your matchup with, oddly enough, former guest Kenny King was one of your f- favorite slash scariest moments. Now, what the fuck was going through your mind when Kenny leapt off and you were lying down on that table? Like, honestly, what goes through someone's mind? Please don't land on my face. <laughs> oh, actually, that's a Please good one, don't. yeah. Yeah, please don't land on my face. I think uh, I think that's what I meant by scariest moments. Well, for one, Kenny's like one of my best friends in wrestling. So being there able to go. like share that moment with him, sure. uh, I believe that was uh, a WrestleMania weekend. It was in New Orleans. Oh, okay. uh, we had ran like a uh, like a uh, like a venue that was basically like a college basketball venue. I think it, the place held, held like five six thousand people, and it was either sold out or pretty damn close to sold out. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I won the uh, the Ring of Honor World Television title from him in that match. So, you know, all those things, being able to wrestle in front of a huge crowd on WrestleMania weekend with one of your good friends uh, in, a, right. in a last man standing match and you win the Ring of Honor World Television title, just all those things added in. And then knowing, I remember looking back at the match that, that uh, him doing that shooting star press uh, from the top to the floor through a table was a scary moment thinking, oh, my God, please don't land on my face. I don't want to die. Uh, and then, you know, uh, the match ending shortly after that. So it was uh, just all of it was a, a really cool yet a little scary moment. Well, I got two questions I got to know. Okay, well, first off, whose idea was it? And why the hell did you agree to that? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I, it, was, it was probably Kenny's idea because, you know, he's another guy that, Super athletic, and Kenny's a big dude. He's like six yeah, two, about exactly. Probably, probably two twenty to two forty, something like that. Uh, you know, former college football player. Uh, you know, and he's a, he's a super athletic dude. Uh, and I think I think for both of us, you know, it was a, a title match. It was on a big show, uh, big crowd. You always want to pull out all the stops. So pulling out part of the stops is him doing a crazy ass move like that, and me agreeing to it. You know. Uh, Wrestling is a weird business. You can't like, uh, you can't half-ass your way through it. You look at like, uh, look like, like take NXT for example. Sure. Uh, you have the guys that were like indie guys that came through there, right? And they went through there. Uh, you know, they worked for years to get there, and then they maybe worked there for however long, and then they got released or whatever, and then they went out other places and they kept wrestling. But then you look at the guys that they signed that are like former football players or or like a shot putter or whatever, you know, right. uh, guys that basically got brought in because they were really good athletes at something else. Typically those guys, they come in, they, uh, work and collect their paycheck for as long as they're under contract. And then if they get released, they just quit wrestling because they don't have that drive and that passion for it. You know? course, so yeah, yeah. part of that drive and passion is 
doing stupid shit like agreeing to let a 240-pound man jump off the top ropes, doing a backflip in the air and landing on top of you and putting you through a table. So you definitely got to have a, a passion for this business uh, to be okay with doing stuff like that and uh, be willing to get out there and keep working when uh, things don't work out for you the way you want them to. Now, if the roles were reversed, would you, you have done that to Kenny? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> love it, love it. So, training-wise, or actually even before that, when, obviously, you, you touched on it a little bit at the top, the whole COVID being shut down and everything, what kept you busy and what kept you sort of in shape during those times when you weren't wrestling? Uh, well, I'll be honest with you. Like, uh, the first little bit, because, you know, like, when everything happened, they're like, oh, we're going to close for six weeks. So I thought, like, man, I've been wrestling for so long. I'm just going to take off, like, for a month. And I'm not going to do anything. Oh, okay. Uh, like, I'm just going to let my body rest, heal Fair up. Enough. You know, like, after yeah. so many years of doing this, you have constant aches and pains and then you know a month turned into two months turned into three months i actually turned into kind of a lazy uh, fat piece of shit for a while <laughs> uh, and it, it took me a little while to get back into it okay. honestly uh and really um you know it, it took a few months like i think it was before we found out we were going to be doing the tapings in august and i kind of got back into it i still wasn't honestly wasn't back into it as much as i should be and, and this kind of shitty, like, because they were paying me, like, a good amount of money. Like, I really didn't get hardcore back into my training until shortly before the company closed, maybe about a month or two before that. Because it just, oh, wow. it's hard sometimes, uh, you know, to, you know, you're only doing tapings every couple months to, to have that, that drive to want to get out there and just kill yourself at the gym. But, sure. you know, now back, uh, back to in the indies, you're working every weekend, you realize you have to have yourself in the best shape. So now... I'm going to the gym twice a day. I'm going in the morning. I'm doing an hour of cardio, which 20 minutes of it usually consists of doing the Stairmaster for, you know, 100-plus flights of stairs, trying to get it up to, like, 150, 200 flights of stairs. That's, like, crazy cardio. And then some running and some incline walking. So I'm doing that in the mornings on an empty stomach and then going back in the early evenings and doing some lifting as well. Now, looking back, has it helped you or hurt you, do you think, taking all that time off, like in terms of like healing, or was it worse to have the ring rust? Um, you know, I wish, honestly, I wish I went to, I wish I went to taking the time oh, off. Okay. Uh, you know, we all have pride in what we do, and, you know, I don't, I don't think my work was the best that it could have been, but, uh, you know, now being back and, and, and getting in the much better shape, I can tell sure. that, you know, I should have been training harder at that time. Now, in terms of teaching or schooling or anything, is, is do you do currently do that, or is that something you're looking forward to? Uh, I mean, I would def- I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, you know, there's there's like one place in the Milwaukee area that has a training center. Uh, you know, once in a while, pop in there. Uh, but I, ideally, I'd love to be able to open up my own school. Uh, you know, something like that. I own my own ring. So it's just kind of looking for like the right place and the right opportunity to do something like that. Well, that's pretty cool. Do you go any? Do you go around teaching, doing any seminars or anything? Have you done any of that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Especially, um, especially since getting back on the indies, I've done a handful of seminars, and that's something I really enjoy doing. You know, like like I said, there's a lot of not even necessarily young, but just a lot of new talent that I've never really met before. So it's cool to be able to to, to get to meet these guys and kind of see what what their take is on wrestling, see oh, like how okay. they were trained, stuff like that. Sure. Uh, so I've definitely been enjoying doing the seminars. So do you just do like the whole speech or do you do actually in-ring work as well? Uh, a little bit of both. 
both. I mean, okay. it really depends on when I get there. I like to kind of talk to the guys and girls that are taking the seminar, kind of see what their experience is. Sure. And then I kind of talk to them in a little bit and ask them, like, what do they want to learn? What do they want to take away from this? Because, you know, everybody's at different levels depending on where you're at, depending on where you're at in the country, depending on oh, uh, where they're at in their careers. Sure. Uh, a, a lot of those different factors come in. And I want, I, when I do these seminars, I want the people that are paying to do these seminars, I want them to feel like they're getting something out of this. So I kind of go on with a general idea, some things I want to do, but I also like, you know, like to ask them, like, what do you guys want to work on? Like, what do you guys oh, cool. feel like you need? And then we'll talk and kind of freestyle it a little bit. Well, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So what's the one thing that honestly just pisses the fuck out of you when you do these type of seminars? Uh, you know what? I haven't had anything bad. Really? Yet. Okay. Yeah, no, no. I mean, everybody seems everybody seems pretty respectful and uh, stuff like that. I haven't, yeah, I've not, I haven't had anything real bad or, shit or shitty happen, but now that probably means the next time I do one, it'll be a bunch of shit. How about the hardest thing to teach someone that you find for someone to gravitate to towards the wrestling business? I think it's just the beginning stuff. Oh, uh, okay. I think, I think like there's a lot of weird little things in wrestling, like certain ways you're, you're supposed to hold your hands or stuff like, uh, like when you grab an arm bar or the way your feet are supposed to be on a headlock, uh, uh which foot you're supposed to step in with on lockups. And sure. now doing that for 20 years, this stuff's like breathing to me. It's second nature. So sometimes it can be uh, a little frustrating when you're first starting out with guys and you're just trying to teach them the basics. And it, and I always tell people, like, this may seem boring, so we're only going to learn, like, a couple things. Sure. But it's just like, all right, do it again, 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 you know? Because right. I want – you just have to pound it into people because all these things that the, you're asking these people to do are stuff that they've never done in, in their everyday life. So it's a, all a new learned activity for them. So it's hard after doing something for so long and it becoming second nature to kind of stop and think, okay, wait, this is second nature and easy for me, but how do I break this down into smaller steps? Uh, so these people can understand it and um, learn it the right way. That's so true. Yeah. Because obviously what you guys do doing it in the ring live, you can't have that single split second to be like, Huh, what do I do next? It has to be like as if you're walking down the street and you're reacting to everything as normal, right? Right, exactly. So how about in, in terms of yourself? What was the hardest thing for you to gravitate towards when you first started wrestling? Probably promos. Oh. Uh, you know, I was, I was, I was pretty athletic. Uh, okay, okay. I picked up some I picked up some stuff pretty quick. Like I remember the first time I went to a training camp, I went with the guy that I said I'd went to uh, high school with yeah. and the guy who ran the school had accused him of training me somewhere else. Oh. And because uh, he was like, well, how does he know how to take bumps and hit the ropes? And I kind of thought, well, how do you not know how to? I've watched wrestling my whole life. Right. So I do. I guess you ask, like, what sometimes is something that pisses you off? I guess sometimes training guys, I'll be like, have you guys ever even fucking watched wrestling before? <laughs> like this shit sure. is some of the stuff isn't that hard, you know, like how like. You're like if you're a wrestling fan, you watch wrestling forever. It kind of feels like something should be easy to pick up on, but maybe maybe they're not as easy as I think they are. And I think sometimes people don't realize that in order to be really good at wrestling, you have to be a pretty smart person. Sure. You have to be able to uh, you have to be able to to remember these things, all these little things. You have to be able to react to what's happening to you because uh, you only you know 
and you hear about like acting, right? Like people are taping a movie or whatever. They can shoot a scene over and over and over, right? Until they get it right. But wrestling in front of a live crowd, you only get one opportunity to do it. So you better do it right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the stuff is kind of improvised, right? So you need to react to what the other person's doing. And that's a, that's a big part of it. And even just understanding simple human psychology, uh, you know, you kind of got to be a little bit of a smart person. You have to have a decent head on your shoulder. So usually if you meet people in wrestling and they're pretty good at this, they're probably a pretty smart person and have a good head on their shoulders. Now, do you think it is actually important to be a fan before getting into wrestling? Mm. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily important. I mean, you look at, you look at guys like Kurt Angle, he wasn't a fan, and that guy's amazing. One of the greatest performers, greatest wrestlers ever. I mean, even a guy like Josh Woods, like I don't think he was a big wrestling fan, but he really took to it, and he really loves the wrestling business. So he was a guy who got signed to WWE because he was an athlete, mm-hmm. and when he got released, he still loved, he started, kind of had fallen in love with wrestling, yeah. and uh, you know, went on to do other things, and you know, get a job with Ring of Honor, and continued to learn it. He was a guy that his learning curve was really quick. He got really good really quick. Uh, you know, so I don't think it's necessary, but I think it sure as hell helps a lot. Well, I, I would assume it does help a lot because what else would keep wrestlers going? Because you hear it all the time. You hear MMA guys, you hear football players saying who tried to do the transition and they're like, I just couldn't keep up with that grinding schedule. Like, it's not for right. me. Like, you know, unless you're a fan, why else would you be doing it? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, especially, like, starting out, like, starting out on the indie level, like, you have to really love this shit to want to do this, man. I could only uh, like, imagine. I remember, like, Minneapolis is about, but, so I, I live in Milwaukee now. I grew up in, by, like, the Green Bay area, about 20 minutes south of Green Bay. Okay. Which is basically, Green Bay's, like, on, on Lake Michigan, about two hours north of Milwaukee, and Milwaukee's on Lake Michigan. So, basically, you know, it's the eastern part of the state so i remember uh first starting out like my first year driving up to minneapolis like one or two sundays a month which is about a five five and a half hour ride each way for like twenty dollars so wow here i was driving 10 11 hours you know combined uh making twenty dollars and beating the shit out of my body so unless you love this shit you ain't doing that you ain't doing that drive uh in general, you know, like, uh, you know, like, uh, my one buddy used to say, he's like, he's like, here's how you can tell wrestlers love wrestling. If I said to you, Hey, I got a booking for you in Minneapolis. We'll pay you 20 bucks. Would you do it? Hell yeah, I'll do it. But if I said to you, Hey, there's an envelope stapled on a tree in Minneapolis with $20. You want to drive there and get it? No, I ain't right. That's ridiculous. Right. (laughs) But yeah, you want me to drive there and, uh, beat up my body and, in front of a live crowd for 20 bucks, I'll be happy to do it. Oh you know, my so God. that's, that's kind of the, the thing there, you know, it's, uh, it's not so much about the money at that young age. It's about getting the experience and it's gotta be something you love. If, uh, you want to do it on the independent level and really try and get somewhere with it. Now, what about when it's all said and done, you hang, you hang up the boots. I'm not going to ask when you're going to do that because that's up to you whenever you're ready. But, do you see yourself being like wearing a promoter's hat, being a producer? Like, do you like? Would you like to do any of that behind the scenes type of stuff? Absolutely, I want to be okay. involved in wrestling with the wrestling business till the day I die. Oh, so you're a lifer, uh, as they call it. Oh yeah, I, I love wrestling. Man. Gotcha. Like, uh, like I, I, uh, I'm not like a super religious person or anything like that, but okay. I believe like we're all kind of born with a skill or uh, a drive to do something in life. Right? I believe and that I believe, too. Like, yeah. 
my skill was, or my skill or my determination was pro wrestling. I believe that's what I was put here for. Uh, I love doing it. Uh, so I, I always want to be involved in it. You know, uh, I've been doing it for almost 20 years. My body feels awesome. Like, yeah, sure. I get little aches and pains here and right. there, but you know, I also think about guys that are like 29 years old and having back surgeries and they work desk jobs, Right. you know? So my body's held up amazingly, you know, knock on wood <laughs> I'm doing right now, my wood floors, uh, you know, I, I want to do this as long as possible. And I really feel like I got, I don't know, at least another 10 years where I can keep competing awesome. at a high level. But, but even after that, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, getting a job being a producer for like a place like AEW or WWE or even Ring of Honor, depending on what happens when they come back uh, or, or running a, independent shows or training people, I, I want to do something. You know, I don't have one definite dead set thing, but it just whatever it takes to still be involved in the wrestling business, I want to do that. Oh, that's awesome. And again, speaking of Ring of Honor, one last thing I got to ask. Any news, anything you know about the April 1st show that you could share? I know nothing. Nothing at all, eh? <laughs> I, I, I know. I mean, I know they have a show on April first, and I see they have uh, uh, John Gresham and Bandito booked to, to work each other. That's right. Uh, but that, yes. that's that's as far as I know. And talking to guys, it doesn't seem like anybody really knows a whole lot. So oh. I don't. Everything's kind of up in the air yet. Oh, so there you go. Stay tuned, people. Stay tuned. Okay. Well, before we get to the worst story of the week, wrestling aside, hobbies, interests, my friend. TV shows, movies, what are you into? What do you like to do on your off time besides wrestling? <laughs> I mean, so I've been like, uh, so for years, like when I was first starting wrestling, you know, I kind of wanted to try and get a job that like allowed me to be able to, you know, go do uh, my wrestling whenever I wanted to. So I'd opened a small personal training business. Okay. And over the years, even when, uh, you know, the, the Ring of Honor stuff got good and I was making a good living, I still kept training people a little bit. Uh, and now that, you know, that's not happening anymore and I'm back to the independence, I've got back to personal training, more people picked up some new clients uh, and I've always enjoyed that. Like I enjoy, uh, watching people realize that they're a hell of a lot stronger than they give themselves credit for. Oh. And I think, I think a big takeaway that a lot of people should really know is like, there's this idea that people are like, well, I don't want to work out. I'm not a workout person. Or I don't sure. like running. Well, like no one really likes running. Like <laughs> I don't enjoy running. It's, I just do it cause it makes my cardio better. And like when you lift weights and you exercise and you get your heart rate up and you get yourself sweating, like your brain releases all these good endorphins or I don't even know what they're called. I always just say your brain releases these good drugs. <laughs> uh, sure. That makes you feel good, man. Yeah. Like uh, I think exercise is so important that like everybody should do it and you don't have to be crazy and try and be a bodybuilder or a marathon runner. Of but course. I think everybody should do it. It's it's good for your it's good for your mind. You know, it's good for your spirit, uh, and it's excellent for your body. You age slower. Uh, you know, you can you can you know hopefully be you know sixty five seventy years old and not uh, be all crippled and beat to shit. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you can live a good quality of life. So I'm, I'm really enjoying training people more again. Uh, I like I like getting out doing you know stuff like. I like camping. I like, uh, I got to do like a little bit of like some whitewater kayaking last summer. That was pretty cool. Uh, I I like, you know, outdoor stuff, skiing. I need to go skiing yet this winter. I haven't gotten to go yet. Uh, my son's like 13 years old. I've taken him uh, for a couple of years and he really enjoys it. So that's fun to do. Uh, so like I, I enjoy, you know, a lot of, I guess, fitness based stuff. Uh, which is funny because I'm sitting here smoking cigarettes nonstop and taking this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, and then, like, 
for TV, like, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the, the next season of Peaky Blinders coming out. That's supposed oh. to be out soon. Okay, sure. Uh, uh, you know, I enjoyed Game of Thrones. Uh, right. I just, man, during this whole shutdown thing the last two years, I think okay. I watched, like, so much content. <laughs> right. It's hard. Now it's hard. Now it's hard to, like, find stuff to watch. The last series I just watched was The Americans. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, it was, like, Russian sleeper spies. That was pretty cool. Um, so now just with doing the training stuff and the wrestling, you know, uh, you know, I've been thankful that, you know, I'm able to make a living and support myself off of that. I get a lot of downtime at home where I watch a lot of TV. So, uh, you know, I, I, the last big series that I watched was, was the Americans and I probably burned through that in about two weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. Cause I can, I can totally wake up in the morning and like make a pot of coffee and like sit down and watch like three, four episodes in a row and and then go to the gym and do my cardio and then come back and watch a few more episodes and eat food and then go train some people and come back. And so right now I'm actually kind of looking for a new series to watch. I've been, I've been uh, going through stuff and I got this, this app thing on my TV where you can go, you can basically watch any TV, (laughs) any TV show or any movie made. And uh, last night, last night I was looking at old shows from the nineties. You remember that show Renegade? Renegade sounds familiar. It, it, it had like Lorenzo Lamas in it. Oh shit! He's like uh, the fun. The beginning part is so funny. It's like <laughs> it's like he was a cop who did the ultimate betrayal and testified against other cops. Oh my god! The cop, the cops who killed his the woman he loved, and now he's out to get revenge. Renegade. Like, it's like <laughs> the cheesiest total epitome of sure. cop gone rogue <laughs> show. So I, I watched like two episodes of that, and I was like, Jesus, is this shit terrible? Oh my god! Uh, so I don't know. I just I enjoy kind of I enjoy watching some old stuff, and sure. anytime I can find a, a new series that's pretty intriguing, I like that too. Yeah, what have I been watching recently myself? I've been. Um, oh, Succession, actually, I've been trying to catch up on because everyone was talking about that. And I'm like, oh, let me give this thing a whirl. It was hard at first, but now I'm really getting into it. And now I just want to... What what's that about? It's about a family that owns, like, they're like multi-billionaires and they are like an entertainment tycoon em- empire. They own, like, TV, amusement parks, like all kinds of shit. Like, you know what I mean? And they pretty much run, like, all the news stations and stuff. So, and it's about the family who's going to end up taking control of the empire and they're all backstabbing each other and they're all horrible people oh. it's one of those shows that i feel so disgusted but i want to watch more like i like no character <laughs> like i hate them all i wish they all would die off like it, it's so right, horrible right. that it's good like I, I, it's crazy how many, how many seasons of, is there of it or is it a new show it's on the third season now the third season just finished so i was like oh, i'll give it a whirl like i said everyone was talking about it when it dropped it's on hbo max and i was like okay why right, not I- I might have to check that out after we're done with this year. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. No, okay, how about this? Going back to the camping, are you wanna, do you like to glam camp, as they call it, or are you just down and out in the dirt? You don't give two shits. Okay, so, I mean, I would glam camp. Like, if someone else wanted to pay for it, I would totally be cool with going along <laughs> okay. to it. But, but I'm more of, like, uh, I'm more of a, like, in the dirt. Like, I remember... Uh, <laughs> When I was like maybe 20, 21 years old, sure. uh, I got these buddies that I grew up with. I'm still friends with them. Like I've known okay. them since we were like 11 years old. And they'll go up a couple times a year up into northern Wisconsin onto these uh, these lakes where it's like way back off like a country highway oh, wow. uh, on these dirt roads where like 
you know, it'll be a big ass lake and there's maybe like three or four campsites on the whole lake where the closest campsite's probably like a 30, 40 minute walk oh, from wow. the one you're at. Okay. So these are like super remote. There's no electricity, no running water. Sure. And I remember a couple of times going up there and just getting super drunk and passing out <laughs> by the fire and just wrapping myself up in a tarp on the ground and just sleeping out there like that. Like my friends still like laugh about that, bring oh. that up. Uh, when I when I see him, they'll be like, "I remember the time you got drunk and you just passed out and wrapped yourself up with a bit of tarp." And I was like, "I think that might have happened more than once, but yeah, I remember it." So I'm I'm definitely like, uh, you know, just get out there, throw up a tent, and you know, cook food, eat, drink with your buddies, maybe do sure. some fishing. No, take it easy. Me, myself, I used to love doing that. But again, I have horror stories. Like, same thing with you. You go out with the boys, you're fucking hammered, you're high as fuck, you're doing crazy shit. You don't remember, but you had, like, burned in your memory. And it's like, you have, you're scared. Like, so when I go camping now, I, I don't go camping. I go rent out so, a so-called a cottage or something. Like, I need to have a bed and running water. That's what I say nowadays. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I would totally be open to that. But, yeah, it's usually, like, the down in the dirt shit. And I'm usually, like, oh after God. the first time, I'm like, why the fuck did I do this? Right, and that's the I'm thing. I need, I, need a be- I need a bed. Because even those air mattresses, man, most of those air mattresses yeah. suck, dude. Like, by the morning, you're, like, kind of laying on the ground because all the air kind of leaked out. No, they're not that fun. It's so true. And if you have to share one with someone else, obviously you're not the same weight as the other person. So then the other person starts leaning towards you and it's even more uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the worst. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Well, you ready for the worst story of the week? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, as I said, we're pretty much the same age. We're both old enough to know and witnessed when TVs went pretty much from black and white all the way up to what they are now, 4K, crispy and clear, right? So what's pretty much left to do? Like we've seen 3D, like I said, everything looks crisp, everything sounds crisp. What do you think is the next step or evolution of television? You know, I don't know, but I will say this. I don't, like I remember the first time I seen one of these TVs that has like a super clear picture. Okay. Where there's almost, I don't like it. You know, it's almost like you were looking in a window. Or you're yes. like watching a live performance. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I like get it. It doesn't feel like a TV show. So I remember the first couple times I saw that, I was like, oh, I kind of <laughs> don't like this. Like it's too, it's too clean of a picture. Uh, so I, I kind of almost didn't like that. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Maybe the next thing will be like interactive, like interactive television, like where you know most of these shows are clearly taped beforehand. Sure, you have stuff like maybe Saturday Night Live or something like that sure. that's like live. But the only thing I could kind of think would be the next step would be like some kind of interactive thing where the people watching can interact kind of almost like uh, like you have these shows, like these singing shows where like people sing and then like the like the viewers text in or like call in or vote their favorite right, right. one. Maybe some something like that, but almost to another level. But what that other level is, I'm not really sure. But I feel like that might be it. like uh, – interactive type of show possibly well pretty close so a professor in japan has created a new way for viewers to engage with their favorite shows and movies taste tv has arrived my friend okay so the professor actually calls it triple tv so tttv for some odd reason i don't know why the extra t is in there but so and apparently it works so one of the professors had one of the students actually do a taste test. They chose milk chocolate. They punched it in. It came up. They licked it. It tasted exactly like milk chocolate. 
So what are they licking? The TV? So, okay, so here how this is how it works. So apparently it's actually not that complicated. So using like some kind of carousel, it has 10 flavoring canisters. So I guess those are the 10 major flavors that we have, sort of like a color thing where there's only a certain amount of colors, then you mix them, you get more, right? So it uses that sort of technology and it will deposit an appropriate taste cocktail onto a thin film that the viewer then can lick off. So I'm assuming it probably is like a little screen on top of the TV rolls down maybe and then you lick it that way. So you're not technically licking your TV. So it's probably like an attachment of some sort. And apparently it works. (laughs) That's wild. Here's my question though, especially with COVID nowadays. Oh shit. Like who, who like... Is there multiple lick things that so like, like uh, I don't know. Say like uh, you're like married to have a couple kids, right? Like, sure. So oh. is there one for you, one for the wife, and then one for like little Johnny and Susie or whatever? You know, like, I didn't even think or of that. Is there only one? You know, it's something to think about. Well, I would assume it's only one for now. But now, even thinking of it, other than like food that you would want to taste, what's really the point of having this? Like, if you're not a foodie, if you don't watch food TV shows. Like now, oh, there, there's going to be some weirdo out there that's going to be like, oh, I want to lick that girl's sweat or something like that, you know? Oh, oh my god! Or even for porn, they could start licking their privates and stuff. Oh my god! <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> oh my god! Taste TV porn, huh? Hey, that, that could be the that next thing. Be great. <laughs> <laughs> that would make some money, probably. You never know. <laughs> Would. Any weird thing you can think of will exist. Oh my! It's true. I've heard that before. Anything that you can think of that's weird, someone is either into it or has done it before. Absolutely. <laughs> so, is this something that you would actually be into, and you would purchase yourself if it was available? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I would purchase it. My okay, I would probably purchase it myself at some point. But when it okay. first came out, I wouldn't because it would be super expensive. But I would be all about going to my friend's house that likes buying the newest thing and trying his out. You know what I mean? That's true. So, I mean, it's intriguing, you know. I, I think it's definitely intriguing. I'm thinking more long-term what this could be like, because everything always evolves into something else, obviously. It's never what it's meant to be, right? Maybe this is the right. new step into having, like, your own, like how it is in Star Trek, where you, you have your own machine that makes food automatically, like, within seconds. Like, because if, right. if this guy has all the flavors, now all you need is the substance, and then you apply the flavors into the substance, Right. Right, right. That's a good point. You know, it's even crazy to think about, like, I was having this conversation earlier today, like, like FaceTime, or even like me and you right now, like, we're, we're using Zoom, but we're like, we're both in live time. Yep. We're doing like a, a video call or whatever. But I remember like Back to the Future 2, when like the older Marty <laughs> gets fired, right? Like, they do the call on the TV, like, at that time, it was holy shit, like, that'll never exist. And I know. Well, fast forward 20 years, 25 years, whatever it was, and here we have FaceTime or which, you know, leads to, you know, being able to do zoom calls and stuff like that. It's, it, uh, it shit happens quicker than you think it's going to. So, well, especially uh, you know, Taste TV might be the next big thing next Christmas. Well, you know? it's true. And especially during our generation alone, look how fast and quick technology has progressed. Like I always tell my wife that I would love to live in the fifties cause it was so simple. Everything was brand new. The world was everyone's oyster pretty much like, you know, there were so many opportunities, right. no diseases, everyone could trust each other, so to speak. Like, you know what I mean? But right. There was no technology. Now, would I rather live in a simple life where I'm happier or be with technology where I'm more active, doing more? Like, you know, it's it's weird to think of that way. Right. Well, I think, you know, too, at the time, like, uh, you know, for the people living at that time, too, they probably thought just like, 
I don't know, having a, a refrigerator that didn't require putting ice into it to keep everything cold was like yeah, I know, cutting that's edge, true. you know, or even cars that cars that went faster or even when like when freeways started to be developed, I guess like in what, like the fifties and sixties. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I think about, uh, you know, I haven't really ever gotten the opportunity to, but it would be cool to sit down with like some of the really older wrestlers, which there's probably not a whole lot of them alive that were uh, still that were in that era, but you know, guys that had to take little back highways everywhere. Right. But then when the create creation of interstates happened, uh, you know, that's pretty cool. You know, I think it's all relative to the time, the era of if you didn't know something existed, then you couldn't really miss it anyways, you know? Well, it's so true because I think of that of technology all the friggin' time. Like, even when the first iPhone came out, I'm like, that's it, game over, I never need to buy another phone again. And here we are, how many generations later, 12 or 13, and it's like they always yeah. seem to sucker you in with something you never knew that you wanted. <laughs> right, right. I remember uh, a couple years back, uh, I said, my son, he's 13 now, and I said something, was like, hey, grab my cell phone. Right. And he looked at me, he's like, what's a cell phone? I was, <laughs> oh, shit. I was like, uh, I was like, my phone, he's like, it's just a phone. I was like, no. So then I explained to him, like, how, you know, when I was, like, when we were younger, uh, cell phones were not a thing, you know? Like, yep. you had a phone at your house. If you're lucky, you had a cordless phone, exactly. which was close to a cell phone, but you could only maybe bring that out to, like, out the front door or something <laughs> like that, right? Yeah. But, you know, and he was, so his mind was kind of blown, like, what do you mean these things haven't always existed? I know, times, oh my God, it's so funny how now we've become our parents in terms of different other types of technology. Like, you know what I mean? Right. It's crazy, right. it's crazy. Well, Silas, thank you very much for coming aboard today. Really appreciate it. Plug anything you want to, any upcoming shows, your socials, anything. All right, well, uh, so uh, the this coming weekend, which you can always go back and watch since it'll be, uh, this will be airing after it happens. I have AAW down in Chicago, I'm doing a bull rope match with a guy oh. they call Manders. Um, haven't had a bull rope match in a long time. Looking forward to that. <laughs> AW, arguably one of the best independent companies uh, in North America. Uh, they have they have their own streaming service. You can check that out. Uh, you know, I worked for them for years and years uh, before Ring of Honor, and now back working with them regularly uh, after the Ring of Honor. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Last Real Man ROH. Uh, you can find my merchandise, uh, tons of uh, great T-shirts uh, on ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Silas Young. Nice. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, just take a look out. I'm doing a lot of uh, a lot of independent shows, um, kind of all over the place. I have uh, some stuff booked out in California. Uh, for XPW, that's been kind of interesting. I did one show for them. They're coming back in April uh, on the L.A. area. Uh, I have a show coming up in the next month or two out in Washington State. I have some stuff out on the East Coast in Buffalo. Nice. Uh, some stuff in um, a lot of stuff in the Midwest where I'm located. Uh, you know, Warrior Wrestling working with them now as well too. They uh, you know, stream their stuff as well. A lot of yeah. great shows, tons of great talent they're using there. Uh, but yeah, once again, ProWrestlingTees.com, Silas Young. Uh, then you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at LastRealManROH. Nice. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because it helps them almost definitely helps me out. And please, most importantly, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. One last question before I let you go. 
If you could change one thing in wrestling for whatever reason, what would it be? Oh, I, I mean, selfishly, it'd probably be something for myself. Uh, you know, I'd just sure. be. It would be that I could go wrestle for any company that I want to at any time I want to. <laughs> so that that's what I would change. Uh, but, you know, it's, I guess that's kind of even changed it a bit as is, as now companies are kind of having this crossover and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's pretty, pretty cool that that's happening. On that note, he's Silas. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace. Peace.